Endgame Hulk? Who was that dude? Like he had gray hair. He's in a full body suit the whole time. And he speaks in complete sentences. Okay. And then we get to She-Hulk and he's just, he's like doing yoga and he owns a bar on the beach. And I was like, if, if my, my TV was on a desk, I would have flipped it. Like, <laughs> is this? What's going on, guys? My name's Jonathan. I'm joined today by John Automates and Jared, the M6P Mayo. And today we're here to discuss our least favorite interpretations of some of the MCU characters that we've seen over the years. The MCU now, at this point, has been around for quite some time, since 2008. They've done a lot of characters right. I'll give them probably 60% of the characters they've put on screen, maybe more, have been done really well. Especially when you go back to the early days of the MCU. Captain America, at the time, I can remember thinking, they're getting Human Torch to play Captain America? <laughs> this is not going to work. And he just knocked it out of the park. His blue eyes, blonde hair, the way he played the character was so true to the character from the comics. Something that we haven't quite seen, at least some think so, when it comes to Superman, a DC character. And some people love Henry Cavill, like myself, but... I think that it's fair to start things off with one of my picks who I think was a very drastic departure from the comics, Taskmaster from mm. Black Widow. The way the character was in the comics was just completely different from the film. You know, they felt the need to gender swap the character for a diversity's sake. It just didn't work out for me. I agree with that, though. I, I agree with that one almost. I didn't even think about that one, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. It, it just wasn't a smart play for a character who could have been done so much better. I don't, I don't even care about the gender swap as much, but leave what made Taskmaster great in there. Don't, don't just take that away. That's the thing. It's like, oh, we're going to gender swap and we're going to take away the actual powers that are there and the humor and everything that comes along with this character. That's a missed opportunity. That was, that was a bad, bad decision. And I don't know if that happens if they did Taskmaster, I'm going to say six to seven years ago. I think it's a different, I think we get a different character there. You know what I think that, a lot of these studios do, especially Disney, Marvel. They rely on the fact that it's a character of diversity, and that's the only character trait that you need. You don't need yeah. to make the character fun and interesting. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a character in the comics that used to be a guy, but now it's a girl. It, does anything else matter? No. <laughs> it's a girl. That's a problem. That's you a guys problem. should like it and care about it because it's a gender swap character. Well, there's also a thought process that if you're a female superhero, you must have female supervillains. That's all that you can fight. And that's what I kind of think they went with with Black Widow was, well, she's a girl. Well, she's got to have Yelena, who's a girl. And we got to have Taskmaster, who's a girl. Uh, we'll have this old guy in the sky, too. But he's not really the main thing. It's these girls. They're just girls are always fighting, you know? <laughs> like, no, they, they can fight dudes because Taskmaster is one of the best Avengers villains, like, he might not be as powerful as Loki or, or Kang or any of those, you know, A-level Avengers guys, but Taskmaster, he will take you to task in the comic books. <laughs> Anyone who follows me knows I'm I'm saying She-Hulk. <laughs> I have, She-Hulk's one of the very first earliest comics I've ever read. I've read tons of them from her involvement with S.H.I.E.L.D. to leading to all the stuff where she had to figure out what was going to happen with her relationships because, the, and the for all the personality, all of that. And it is such a gross misinterpretation of what She-Hawk is really about with the way they did She-Hawk in the MCU. 
the MCU She-Hulk isn't She-Hulk. Just the same way Secret Invasion isn't Secret Invasion, MCU <laughs> She-Hulk isn't She-Hulk. What it is is it's a it's a device to say something that She-Hulk comics already were saying. Just bring in what was already being said in the comics into your storyline. But instead, they wanted to use that as a way to make a bigger statement that didn't even do, it didn't even have the kind of message that they thought it was going to have. And so now you have a situation where everybody hates your show. You, you want to know who did do a good job with that message? Barbie. We did the most, the more recent Barbie that came out did a good job with the message. There's people who hate it. There's some people who like it. Regardless, they did a good job with the message. She-Hulk did not. I will have that one as my number one until somebody much, much worse comes along. But so far, I haven't seen it. That's and you're point. talking about the message, right? You can have female characters who do and speak on female issues without making or slighting the opposite sex, without making or slighting everything that is around them as being bad just because of that's not real that's not real life and she-hulk wanted to imitate real life so if you're gonna do that play it smart don't it just didn't work and clearly we saw that but to john's point the she-hulk comics if you've ever read the peter david's run on she-hulk ah, they could have one. just yeah. taken peter david's books given it to the dire the director and said or, or the writers and the actors and said just read this there, you don't you don't need to add anything. You could this would make a great show. You know, She-Hulk was doing Deadpool before Deadpool was even a thought in Rob Liefeld's head. She was breaking the fourth wall, and it seemed natural. And instead, She-Hulk was trying to be like Deadpool in the She-Hulk show instead of just being who the character is. It's a fun read, and it can be a serious read, and there can be comedy, and there can be action, and and She-Hulk is yeah. just a really good story. Like when written well, she's great. And to see just her destruction on the MCU Disney Plus television, now I'm getting upset <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> you just think that it was they were trying to be too much like Deadpool versus being like she was in the comics. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. They, they saw what worked there and thought they could copy it. You don't need to. You could do something else with the fourth wall. There's many examples of other ways to break the fourth wall that don't exactly copy. You know what was a good one that people, this is a little bit underrated far back in, but House of Cards, whenever Kevin Spacey's character used to break the fourth wall, it was poignant and, and he got a good message out and that could have been a good way for She-Hulk to do so. When Deadpool breaks the fourth wall, he does it in like a ridiculous comedic way to tell a joke. And that's what they tried to do with She-Hulk. And it's like, actually you could have switched that around and have her tell something actually legitimate a lot of missed opportunities. I can go into it all day. I don't know if they were going to go with Peter David's only because, well, actually, she is a lawyer in that, too. But she is a bounty hunter as well. And I don't know if they wanted because they wanted to do the whole like, oh, Ali McBeal or one of the right. lawyer type things. And it's just they tried to do too much and they couldn't even do the thing that made the character great. Even the first series of Dan Slott that he wrote of She-Hulk with Pug and all those like I would have even enjoyed something yeah. like that. Yeah, a lot of stuff to pull from for, for her. I guess the fact that I'm not as big of a reader as you guys probably are. Plus, I never read She-Hulk ever. So it's coming into that brand new. It, it was just, for me, it was just a dumb, fun comedy show. That's what I looked at it as. And maybe since I did not have those expectations from the books, I enjoyed it a bit more than you guys did, than most. <laughs> I'll say that too. Most people did not like this show. And some people, the humor just did not work. And I get that too. She-Hulk smash. Personally, like I said, I just had a good time with most of the episodes. There were 
at least two episodes that I really didn't like that much. But yeah, I can totally see that. And, and the, you know, of course, there was an agenda of some sort at the end of the show. They wanted to preach uh, at the at us as the audience, which happens in every film or show these days, not just Disney or Marvel products. But you've got to do better, Senator. All right. Well, then, Jonathan, how about this, though? If I. All right. So if you you haven't read it. Right. And so if you're going in and you have watched all the movies up until this point, and some of your favorite characters, one of your favorite characters, and Hulk was a fan favorite character for a lot of people. Not just that, but how Mark Ruffalo played the character. If we remember correctly, that first episode was actually one of the things that turned so many people off. And that was just the general audience. Forget the comic book lovers. They did things that didn't even work for the general audience. I think that's what created such an overall hype that just died instantly. I think that's about interpretation and mm-hmm. how I interpreted you know, her interactions with the Hulk and Mark Ruffalo in the first episode, second episode, whichever one where they were training and they had the little fight. The way I looked at that wasn't that she Hulk is just so superior to the, the Hulk that you all know and love. To me, I looked at it as a sibling fight or a family fight where the Hulk knew that if he really didn't pull his punches in that fight, that he would probably hurt his uh it's not his sister it's his cousin cousin yeah hurt his cousin in that fight you know it's more of a playful fight and at the end of the day too is more of a stalemate as opposed to her just standing with her hands on her hips and her foot on his chest you know at the end of the fight i honestly didn't have a problem with that portion of it i didn't like her lecturing Bruce and the fact that, you know, her lecturing Bruce on as a woman, I deal with so much more stress than you do as a man. I didn't like that. And I also didn't like how she was able to control her abilities just like that. (laughs) That's two issues that I had, but it wasn't two big enough issues to just completely ruin it for me. And like I said, once they got into the office setting and dealing with some of these wild and wacky villains, like the leapfrog and things like that, I just had a good time with it. I enjoyed what they did with Matt Murdock. I was worried about what they were going to do with the character because I really hated what they did with Vincent. uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. I really hated that. So I was already worried. And the the way they brought him in with the the mustard and ketchup suit, and it was just a little different, but also not too different. He wasn't wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a weird top hat. (laughs) I'm a sucker for them bringing in additional characters Mm. and them having interactions, even if it is just one character, something like that in Secret Invasion, if they would have just brought in a, I don't know, someone to kind of, because you had Brody. They could have brought in (laughs) She-Hulk. Maybe. I don't know. You had Brody. And and her thing, one of She-Hulk's partners is a scroll. Overall, I didn't have a huge problem with it. But like I said, I know I'm in the minority when it comes to that. But fair enough. No, that's good. It kind of goes along with She-Hulk is the Hulk. Like I feel like the Hulk started really well. And I know yeah. that incre- a lot of people don't like Incredible Hulk. I really enjoy that movie, if not for just the fight scene with Abomination through the city. Mm. Like how much more Hulk can you get than that? You're just angry. You're not thinking about anything. And you are destroying the city. That's what he's been doing since 1962 or 61. You know, that's what he does. And as we've continued on this progression from it kind of kind of I think it for me it kind of started when Hulk looked back at the Avengers during Avengers 1 and the Chitari and said, "I'm always angry." Like, "Oh, huh. 
So he's been controlling it this whole time. <laughs> hmm, we'll see where this leads. Well, and then look where we, and we've just slowly watered him down. Yeah. He had to be, wa- I think Jonathan, you and I look at this a little different. I feel like he had to be watered down in order to bring She-Hulk up for her show to make her with her foot on the chest and fighting the patriarchy or whatever crap she was doing. Endgame Hulk? Who was that, dude? Like, he had gray hair. He's in a full bodysuit the whole time. And he speaks in complete sentences. Okay. And then we get to She-Hulk. And he's just, he's like doing yoga. And he owns a bar on the beach. And I was like, if if my my TV was on a desk, I would have flipped it. Like, <laughs> is this? This is not Hulk. I need him to be destroying things and just be angry about everything. I don't have that Hulk anymore. And I don't know that we're going to get back to that Hulk. It's going to take something drastic to shock him back to what he used to be. But it could be Ah. done. Cat it? I hope it's Wolverine's claws in a Wolverine (laughs) versus Hulk movie. Mark Ruffalo will be 78 years old, but that's okay. (laughs) That's okay for Mark. Yeah, he doesn't have to get in shape to play that role. Hugh Jackman, on the other hand, that's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. He's 54 now. so Still looks good. Yeah, he looks great. I can't wait to see Deadpool 3. Let's talk a little bit about a, a recent addition to this list, in my opinion. We, we talked about this character a bit on the last episode. The all-powerful, the all-knowing Gaia is, <laughs> is now not only a threat yeah. to Captain Marvel, but she's a threat to the entire roster of the Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes probably would just bend at the knee to kiss the feet of Gaia. <laughs> what a, I, what I a got mess. that Game of Thrones reference. Yeah, it, what, what a it, mess. And it's almost like, why? Why does this character exist? What what purpose will this character serve moving forward? Is this a character that can fight Sentry? Is this a character that Sentry even has a chance of defeating, Jared? Maybe she'll show up in Thunderbolts. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Shouldn't she show up in the Marvels? <laughs> and die. <laughs> I mean, no, she should show up in the Marvels and defeat and kill Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. That would <laughs> take over. I mean, that would have made the most sense. Like, have her show up in the Marvels as the enemy instead of having Dar Ben, who's barely in any of the comics to begin with. Like, I don't even know who that character is. Dar Most ben. people don't. No one does. Yeah. So, in the comics, I got a question. That's a uh, was Dar Ben female in the comics? Nope. No, like uh, like the Taskmaster, a woman has to can only fight women. Yeah, in <laughs> a way, in a way, that's almost more sexist than having the characters the way they originally were. I would consider that a missed opportunity, and I think that's what the MCU has been as of late—a lot of missed opportunities. Whereas they were capitalizing on those same opportunities in the first three phases. They recently brought back their old president, who some say is the reason the MCU was so successful in the early phases. But really, in in my opinion, it was Kevin Feige. But they recently brought back uh, Bob Iger. I think that Chapek was probably making some decisions that were a little questionable. At least they're self-aware of this now. He made some comments, some that I agree with, some that I don't. But he did make the comment that some of these Disney Plus shows are starting to water down our product. If we are going to put these products out on Disney Plus, we need to make sure they're just as high in caliber as compared to the films. And really for me, you know, even with Loki, I know a lot of people love Loki, wasn't huge on it. It felt like a lower grade version of a Marvel film. You know, it just felt like a lower tier, lower budget Marvel film. It was still pretty decent. The story and the characters were fine, you know, but wasn't a huge fan of Lady Loki. But yeah, it just felt like a lower tier Marvel product, in my opinion. And that's, in most people's minds, one of the better 
Disney Plus shows. I like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's my favorite <laughs> Disney Plus show. Only because of what I like in a TV show. I like shows that keep you on the edge of your seat. And whoa, I can't believe they just concluded the episode with that. Can't wait to see what happens on the follow-up episode. That's going to be wild. Do you guys think that the Disney Plus shows are the reason that things have gone downhill? Because I don't. I think that it's crappier writing, complacency, relying on diversity to sell tickets. There's so many problems right now. I was going to list off the whole cast of the Eternals. Not necessarily <laughs> the actors, but just the whole group. Nobody cares about these characters. And the only thing that they really push with the Eternals is diversity. Oh, yeah, that was a, have a gay guy on the group. <laughs> you yeah, guys that was, that, love that's a mistake. The, the Netflix Marvel shows were a good example of how you could have street level heroes while there's still something bigger going on. Disney saw that and said, I feel like if we can do one better, and we know this because Disney, Kevin Feige and all of them have been on record of saying this. They wanted to have a little bit more better than what we saw on Netflix. Fine. But they tried to make shows into the movies and kind of have like their they, they wanted to have like no line and there's still a very clear defined line between one and the other and right. that's why we had certain scenes in some of these shows the falcon and the winter soldier that the flying scene falcons going through avoiding all the missiles and everything is a good example of that that's the most expensive scene in that entire series and it's not even close right and we've had a lot of different scenes like that throughout each different show you need to have something that's a little bit more relatable if you're going to have it at the street level. And at the same time, you need to have something that connects your stories better. And they tried to do it initially, and it just started to fall apart as we kept going along to the point where things were so vastly different that if somebody said, oh, this connects to this, you're, you're not believing them. You're like, no, there's no way. And now everything feels like you're retconning, which is something that Secret Invasion is struggling with. Everybody thinks they're just retconning things. I, I think the show's hurt pretty pretty badly, but I don't think it started off that way. Do you think that Marvel's gotten too comfortable telling their fans, hey, F you, if you don't like it, we're doing <laughs> this, and we don't really care about our core group of fans? It's not a good, not a good idea, though. Well, I think, no. I think even going back further, some behind-the-scenes stuff that you had talked about, so Ike Perlmutter was in charge of Kevin Feige, over, who was in charge of the Marvel movies. And during that time, there was a core group of comic book writers that were advisors to all the Marvel movies up through Civil War. Well, Kevin didn't like being hamstrung and being told, well, no, this is how it is in the comics. You need to make it more like the comics. So he went to the Disney president and said, I can't work under them. It's me or them. So that whole Marvel creative board which had like Mike, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and some others on it, they got scrapped. Now, oh. after Civil War came, we had the Russo brothers who are just, you know, they could film the phone book and you'd be excited to watch it. So they came in and you don't, you don't notice anything on Infinity War and Endgame. But since then, you see a total move away from the material and the writers are the movie writers are like, well, we can do it better. We don't need to read the comic books and heard different stories like Secret Invasion. The comic wasn't supposed to be on set. Like you're not supposed to be reading that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is wild. And you, you look back and you're like, wow, there definitely was like a karate chop between phase three and four where, you know, huge fans like John Automates and I like, wow, this is not, <laughs> this is not my Moon Knight. <laughs> this right. is not my Eternals. All those different factors that you had talked about along with that creative 
control change. I think maybe we trusted too much in Kevin Feige and not enough as Kevin Feige and his band of merry men. Yeah, that's interesting because I've always heard that story as just them axing Ike Perlmutter's position of power. I didn't hear about the council of advisors. Bendis, I'm not even a comic reader, and I know that name. That's a <laughs> big name, Brian Michael Bendis. That's interesting. And that probably has a lot to do with what we're looking at right now as the MCU. But there's nothing wrong with following that, though. You can follow source material and still change it into specific things that help. And that's what was going on. But now they, it's this, oh, we're going to do our own thing. And that doesn't work because the source material, the reason why so many people want them to stick to it, the same way everybody wants The Witcher to stick to theirs and, and Lord of the Rings to stick to theirs, is because there were years upon years of different things to make that story happen, to make things make sense. When you take a season's worth of writing, that's not going to have the same kind of cohesiveness that some of these books, comics, and, and other forms of media have had. And so you end up with something that does feel a little bit disjointed. And this is the stuff we start to get because of that. While in my mind, I would love to see the Dark Phoenix saga panel by panel on the, the movie screen, at the same time, I would know every single thing that's going to happen. I think I would leave like, oh, I wasn't surprised at all. So I'm all for like having some some switch ups and some changes and surprises. Those are great. But to go so vastly different Secret Invasion and just taking the name and throwing the whole story in the trash. This really has nothing to do with Secret Invasion. We're just going <laughs> to call it Secret Invasion, though. Like that's kind of what they've done for the past two or three years, you know, since Endgame is just kind of. We're just going to take the titles and uh, do whatever we want. Yeah, it really makes me wonder. Like, there's so many more issues now that are going on behind the scenes. The special effects, you know, mm -hmm. like you guys yeah. were alluding to, too, like the, the allegiance to the source material. It, it's really interesting, and it makes me wonder how much they're going to try to change things in the next couple of years. Because at least right now, Bob Iger is saying that they're going to start making major changes Maybe this strike will help things, help them kind of reel everything back in and kind of do some more quality control. When you look at shows like Echo that hasn't come out yet, but it was allegedly so bad that they're just going to release every episode all at once and get it out there into the ether because they don't even want to, they want to wash their hands of it and try to recoup some value from the show. Thanksgiving weekend, it's going to be dropping every year. You're going to be eating Thanksgiving and no one's going to watch it and it's just going to quietly go away. Ugh. What a mistake so, that one was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's a very interesting choice. Once again, we're, we're choosing to make a show about this character from this show that was, uh, well, okay, well, she was deaf. She was uh, an amputee and a Native American. That's that's all you guys should care about. <laughs> you know, why, why would you guys want anything else? You know, you want a character with character development or a character that's interesting? Nah, you don't need that. This is a female character who's an amputee, Native American, and deaf. Come on, guys. That's all you, you know. What, you know what the crazy thing is, though? You know what the crazy thing? Think about what you just said. Everything you just said. What are her powers? <laughs> okay you see like that's that's the problem that let's not market her powers let's market it's not the right way to go about it let's market the diversity same thing with agatha it really like i look i love Catherine hahn i think sure. she's hilarious yeah she's funny she was great in Step Brothers. great even in the goods which is a lesser known comedy film but i loved her in that as well why are we making a show about agatha hartness <laughs> 
it's like Hela. So I don't know any anybody that didn't like Hela in Ragnarok. She was great. Like she just and was ready to go, you know. But I don't need a show about her. Right. You know, I just need to see her one. And while in my my heart and my mind, I'm like, oh, I hope she comes back. But on the other hand, I'm like, it was so good. We need to just leave it there. We don't need to go back to it again. And Agatha had a line, you know, it was Agatha all along and everybody thought it was great. And then all of a sudden now we have a show about it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. No X-Men in sight. Nothing. Right. <laughs> We're Fantastic Four. We that, got Echo even... and Agatha <clears throat> and a group Christmas special. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that Christmas special was pretty good, though. It was, but I'm just saying. Give me oh, the, the New Mutants Christmas special instead. Let's see Warlock yeah. with some ornaments on him, you know? I think that, honestly, at this point, I think that James Gunn is the golden goose. I know this is a little off topic, very off topic, but he's the guy now at the DCU, and I think... If things are done right over there and he gives us a out of the park Superman film, which I think it's going to happen. They might be the new top dogs in town in 2025, 2026. We might see a DC that's giving us more intriguing and better character films versus the MCU. I'll be here for it. If they do. Yeah. It's long overdue for a company that's literally had the trifecta of like great superheroes for, I don't even know, 70, 80, 90 years at this point. Like, my grandma knows even who Wonder Woman, especially mm -hmm. Superman and Batman. Everybody knows who Superman and Batman. Everybody. My, my grandma still knows who Wonder Woman is. Right. So yeah, you have the most popular superheroes in the world. But Do your grandma also different. knows Echo. Your grandma loves Echo. <laughs> yeah. Told me that that she's like, oh, I can't wait for the Echo show. <laughs> still hyped about it. She's still asking me every time I see her, like, when's the new Echo show coming out? Is it coming out Thanksgiving? Uh, so if she watches this episode of you, Jared, she'll she'll be thrilled to find out. <laughs> Thank you, <Love> Grandma. <laughs> what did you guys think about Ralph Boner? <laughs> Literally, the whole entire existence of that character is to troll us as the fans. Yeah, it's, it's, was, the, uh... it's the bait and switch. It's like, hey, guess what? The Fox characters are now in the MCU two episodes later. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Screw you guys. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. Ralph Boner? Boner. <laughs> that was a troll. And I guess at the time, like, nobody really thought anything of it. But looking back, that was also pretty dumb. Yeah. <laughs> For being honest. What other purpose does that character have other than being a troll? The X-Men acquisition had just That's what happened it was. Like, a couple years earlier. Think about, you know, after the acquisition, I think was in 2018. Yep. And so we knew they needed to wrap up some stuff. New Mutants and Dark Phoenix were still going to come out in theaters for some reason. And by the way, the women are always saving the men around here. You might want to think about changing the name to X-Women. And so we're like, okay, it, it's, we get it. It's going to take a little while. But every MCU project, we're like, okay, there's going to be a mutant. There's going to be a cameo. There's going to be an Easter egg and all the rumor. And so now we're like, 30 things in and the most we've got i mean i guess we got ursa major alluding to it don't in, forget about miss marvel jared that was the first x-men in the mcu well, that's what i was going to say but he but ursa major was a, is a mutant and he was technically in black widow um oh. but yeah we got that -na 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 for ms marvel and we all like okay we can we could soldier on we can continue but really you know we just got poked with the whole quicksilver thing in wandavision and then She-Hulk made fun of us about wanting X-Men. Oh, and when are we getting the X-Men? Like, they were in Madripoor in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, give me something. Give me, even if it's some side character, you know, like uh, Pyro shows up and sets a building on fire. I see Sauron flying in the background. Just give me something. Captain Marvel. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Brie Larson's interpretation of Captain Marvel is so uninteresting. It's literally, once again, I mean, this is just Marvel saying to us as fans, well, here's a strong female character. Okay, why is she strong? Does she have any flaws? No, she's perfect in every way. Here she is. (laughs) Take it. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense to me. People question why she performed the role that way in the film. She's so hardcore and stern and it's, there's just nothing likable about the character in my opinion that's one that i have to i have to throw out there because so many things about that character and how the character was portrayed befuddle me yeah i mean there's there's a long backstory there and i don't know if they were attempting to get to the point of civil war 2 which is a very prominent storyline as well in the comic and you're like all right well maybe they're gonna go there and that becomes a whole different thing especially when you add roadie into the mix but i don't think that's ever gonna happen she she having the relationship with roadie you know what you just made me think of somebody else because i'm thinking about space characters you know who got way too much screen time korg (laughs) yeah I just thought of it. I'm thinking space and everything like that. I'm like, you know, that's for as much as I don't like what they did with Captain Marvel. At least she's a prominent character. Yet Korg, who is not a prominent character, gets so much screen time for Thor. That film not only was bloated, but wasted the time that it had. It's decisions like that where it's like, oh, we need to have this comic relief on top of having the goats, on top of having everything else that happens. Meanwhile, we don't get gore for that long at all when we have Christian Bale, of all people, playing. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's things like that. Where it's Why? Why are we making these kinds of decisions? Well, to answer that question, because the director of the film, Taika Waititi, <laughs> was playing the character. Yeah, it was very self-serving. The, the whole thing yeah. was he had a little bit of success with Ragnarok and was like, let's turn that dial up. And Marvel said, hey, if you can give us another Ragnarok, and it's just like off the wall slapstick, like you said, with the goats and Christian Bale, who I mean, Gore, you know, from the comics, Gore yeah. is just like this sick up here. He puts, I'm scared to sleep at night. I think Gore's under my bed, you know? <laughs> and then we got this watered down version who doesn't even kill any gods. <laughs> like, what? Right. Well, he did kill one or two gods. I mean, they said he, they said he did off screen, but we didn't get to see yeah. it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> My last one will be Malekith. I know that people don't like Dark World. I enjoyed Dark World, but I did not enjoy Malekith. Especially yes. looking at the comic book version of Malekith. He's this skinny, bony, half-blue character. He's got the casket of winters. He's just very conniving and really puts it to Thor. And instead, we got this very flat, covered with a mask interpretation of him that was very a villain of the week kind of like, what, yep. what did he do that has affected Thor or anyone? I mean, I guess they did kill Thor's mom. So, never mind. Still cry <laughs> when I watch that part. <laughs> Malekith is mine. Yeah, he's a very bland character. Yeah. Not much to him, just like you said. He's no Hela. No, oh, not even close. Not. Yeah. What about America Chavez? Do you guys think that that character brings anything to the MCU? E- no. Because America Chavez... I don't think you, there's enough room for her and Miss Marvel to exist. And I say that only from like the actor's kind of standpoint of they are different characters, but to a general audience, they, they might as well be the same. 
in terms of how they act, how they are, and and that kind of whimsical, extremely powerful type teenage character. And it looks like that's where they're going if the rumors of the Marvel's end credit scene are to be true. I don't know. That, that one's a little bit tough. That being said, I prefer America Chavez than Miss Marvel. But I know other, that can go back and forth depending on who you're talking to. Right now, I actually don't mind Miss Marvel as a character. I think that that is the only good thing about that whole entire show was the actress, Iman Balani. Yeah. She's got a great personality. Uh, she's, she's very fun. Even though I didn't like Miss Marvel, if they announced tomorrow that they're going to have a Miss Marvel season two, I would watch it yeah, because same. I like the character, like I said, with America Chavez. Huh, she didn't really do anything in that film other than scream a lot and uh, run a lot. And at the film, or at the end of the, you know, the conclusion of the film, she got her powers because she got her powers, was able to control I, them. I agree with you. I, I like the actress of Miss Marvel a lot better. In terms of the character, I think there's more that can be done with America Chavez than there is that can be done with Miss Marvel. And that's why I prefer that character more. Will they do that? I don't think so, but I think there's more opportunity there. That being said, and I, I could eat my words here because if that Young <laughs> Avengers thing comes out, I could easily see her becoming the new Captain Marvel in terms of like the all-powerful with the way her power setup is currently. Chavez? Yeah, and that, could, that wouldn't be a good idea, but I could see them doing that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That wouldn't shock me one bit, especially post-Avengers Secret Wars. That's probably the, the goal, right, for MCU, Disney. They're probably going that direction, I would imagine. You would think. We'll see what happens, guys. Let us know in the comments below what you guys think. Who's your least favorite MCU characters? Tell us how wrong we are or how right we are. Thanks for watching, and until next time, have a good one.